0: okay so maybe we can start this off with with you mark why don't you start and just kind of like share with listeners a little bit of a background on bear hug entertainment and and tell everyone about what it is and why you decided to build it
1: yeah sure thing so um starting with me i've actually been in the games industry about 25 years uh did a lot of console games pc games Worked for microsoft EA um, got into mobile back in 2009, did our, did our first start, and that was when smartphones just came out. Very different landscape. Uh, we made a game called Godfinger, it went to number one in 24 hours with no marketing whatsoever, just because the app stores were very, very different and actually uh, a lot less competition. Um, we worked for Zynga for a while, made some games for them, and then uh, Few years ago decided I wanted to, to do it again, do another mobile game startup. and the, the original premise was actually to make games for a, uh, a more casual and female audience, so not making games for ourselves and uh, we made a game called Alice Legends which did pretty well, uh, has a, a big following, uh, over a million installs, um, picked a, a well-known IP uh, that, that was attracted to that audience, And what we're, what we're finding that we miss is actually community and being able to build games with players and grow something big together. So we're actually pivoting the business now to, uh, social rewarded games using the Zebedee platform and, uh, pivoting towards simpler games as well. So games where we can, uh, iterate faster, release them quicker, work with the community to see what features and functionality and events they want in the games, and of course reward them for the time spent uh, playing at it. It's a very different landscape, so we need to we need to be brave and do, do you know, different things uh, compared to the traditional uh, methods of user acquisition. Uh, Zebedee for us is a really really exciting platform that enables us to do that
0: yeah this is really interesting was, was there a big was there a catalyst that made you decide that you needed to shift direction here at the company and you, you wanted to focus on you know helping people earn Bitcoin and more simple games like w- what was going on in the back of your head that made you make this shift
1: really good question I, I think the biggest thing has been user acquisition so a lot of games companies are finding user acquisition really difficult even even big companies they're just not able to Get their game in front of other players, cost-effectively. And you know, I'm a big, big fan of Vica. They've been doing rewarded games for a while in in different guises. And when when you're spending four or five dollars an install and giving all of that money to gigantic platforms, we we were questioning, well, why why can't we give that to players? I'd much rather give four dollars to a player to play our game than to a, a huge Corporation, But the, back then, there was no real method for doing that because to send or share value with your players, you had to go through uh, lots of banking and regulations and uh, really huge fees. So it was only when when we spoke to Zebedee that we were able to actually do that. It, it's unlocked that possibility now that we can have this direct relationship with our players, share ad revenue with them. Uh, Reward them for being good at games or being the best at games, or just playing Uh, more often than they ordinarily would. So the the pivotal shift in thinking was around how do we reach and retain players.
0: Makes sense. Now, Christian, let's bring in Zebedee here and talk to me a bit about what this partnership does for Zebedee's side.
2: Um, Yeah, sure. So just. Before I go into that, I, I, I just want to make a point. It's quite interesting that Mark mentioned that user acquisition was the main pain point. Uh, when I first started as like an indie mobile game developer, um, I, I wasn't a company. It was just me making games for fun. I didn't understand how difficult that was. Um you know, I made a game, I put it on the app store and then I'd expect when the the um, metrics came in the next day, you know, I'd have like thousands and hundreds of thousands of players, but I had like six or something. And most of them were my friends. So when you basically ha- have a game, I think a lot of people don't re- realize this if you're not a game developer, when you put the game on the app store, like nobody knows about it, right? You know, it's gone are the days where you could be in the top 10, you know, that that happened when the iPhone first came out. If it was a cool indie game, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, So your only choice is to pay Facebook and these big companies, a lot of money to try and get acquisition, which as Mark said, costs a lot of money. So I ended up just putting Bitcoin in my game and I've never done user acquisition at all. It's just all spreads through Bitcoin and Bitcoiners love to promote Bitcoin. So if, you know they'll try to onboard their friends by telling them about their game um about your game and yeah it it really builds a kind of grassroots community which then does get your app up in the charts and then it gets noticed by the more traditional methods um so yeah it's quite interesting mark to hear that point um going back to zebedee and um bear hug like the main thing is you know it's just great to have like a very talented high quality game developer on board um and that's kind of a thing we've kind of said at zebedee at the get-go i have been in like bitcoin blockchain gaming since 2013 and i've seen a lot of companies like bitcoin companies make the mistake of trying to make their own game and if you're not from the gaming world it's very very hard to do it well you know you might have a game which is like a flash in the pan niche success but to make a game and know how to manage a game and understand all the psych- psychology you really have to leave that to the professionals. so we've always tried to kind of um, partner up with real game developers who know how to make a great game and we just you know um, help them with um, the bitcoin side basically really so that's kind of the main key takeaway it's just to have um, a- another great game and hopefully many more from bear hug that we can share with our users
0: and is it right to think then that zebedee is also a discoverability platform like as you mentioned getting people to to discover the game sometimes is a challenge and but now zebedee has a number of games from a number of developers kind of on the zebedee platform is that is that kind of like a an app store for you know tools you can use to earn Bitcoin now? Is that is that kind of one way to look at Zebedee?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, so um, you know, I wouldn't say an app store, but um if you know if you want to learn about Bitcoin and, you know, let's just say crypto in general, there's a lot of like terrible games out there and it's quite hard, you know, to, to know what the good games are. Like, there have been, like, other companies that do kind of, like, crypto app stores, but most of the games are just kind of, like, well, a lot of them are scammy games or very low quality. Um, so, we want users via the Zebedee app to kind of see a curated list of games that we at Zebedee play ourselves. You know, like, we we love playing the Mahjong game, you know, so, yeah, um, apps, you know, and, if people go to the Zebdi app and check out the games, we can, you know, guarantee that they'll have a good experience with them. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. Cool.
0: Now let's get into the Mahjong game itself. Uh, what was the reason for building this game and integrating Bitcoin specifically into this one? It is a classic game; it's been around for a long time. Uh, but would love to hear from uh, Bear Hug's perspective, Mark. What was what was the uh, the decision-making process there for deciding, you know, Mahjong was the game to build.
1: Yeah, great question. So we had a number of game ideas and a few prototypes at the time, uh, different genres, different games, different audiences, but all using rewarded Bitcoin gaming with the Zebity platform. The, The nice thing about Mahjong for us is that we it's a well-known, simple game. So we didn't have to spend time designing a new mechanic and going through that iteration process. For us, this was about learning new technology. Uh, the Zebedee Tech has been incredibly simple to use and, and slick. Uh, it just slotted in in like half a day. It was absolutely brilliant. But we have, as a, as a sort of traditional game dev from years ago, we're very client focused. So all of the logic happens on the client, we needed to learn more about server architecture, et cetera. So for us, uh, Mahjong was a game that could use the, the architecture we'd already been building, we knew how to use. Um, but also importantly for us was to integrate Bitcoin into the core loop. So we didn't just want to make a game and you win the level and you get some Bitcoin. We wanted to actually integrate it into the board and we'd seen games like Brave docu, uh, to do that with, with Bitcoin. It's really fun to get the Satoshi's off the board and I think going forwards all of our rewarded games will include the the rewards as part of the loop not just something that's bolted on top. Um, the game took three weeks uh, to, to make. Um, it's a super sticky game. I think faster games play to our strengths. Uh, historically we've spent you know, you can spend 12 months making a game and launch it only to realize it's not quite what your audience wanted. Um, it's, it's better to learn audience taste soon uh, so you can, you can iterate on the game or the games that are winning. So for us, Coin the Jones looking really, really strong. Uh, great feedback from the Zebedee community. Zebedee has really helped, um, helped us out with an opening uh, beta test. That was really cool. Uh, and they're featuring it now, and we're seeing players come in, and we, we, it's, it's a great for us. It's a really great partnership to, to get players to get noticed, have players come to our game, see how they retain, see how they play. Uh, feedback's been great, so uh, we're, we're very pleased so far. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested in hearing more about how you, you mentioned that Bitcoin is integrated into the game. It's not just like added on top, as you know, slapped on to a, a game and just say, at the end, you're going to get a bit of Bitcoin. It's like embedded in the game. Can you elaborate on how that works specifically with Mahjong and then why that integration is so important rather than just slapping Bitcoin on top?
1: It is, yeah. Sorry, Kevin, I lost you for a second. My, uh, my internet. Um, could you uh, repeat the question for me?
0: Yeah, just I would love to hear more about the uh, why integrating Bitcoin into the game is so important, rather than just, you know, bolting it on at the end and saying, you know, oh, you're going to earn a bit of Bitcoin as well. Like, why why is it so important that it's actually embedded in the game?
1: That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think part of that started when we looked at a bunch of different rewarded games and uh, some would give away Bitcoin, some would give away vouchers, some would give you cash on PayPal. And actually, the ones that had it built into the loop, just they just felt better. It felt more compelling to see that number go up as you as you play. And, and uh, it can end up feeling cheap if you do it the other way. So for us, Brain Doctor again, I mentioned those guys uh, did a good job with having the satoshis on the board. And when we put the Satoshi to our Majong board, we found it actually changed the gameplay a little bit. So traditionally with Majong, you've got a bunch of tiles that match and you have to collect them in the right order to be able to solve the board. But if you add a number of tiles that all have an identical symbol, it actually makes the game harder not easier because you can get yourself into, into uh, situations where unless you're really careful, if you've got some satoshis left in the jar, unless you're really careful and you you, you pick them in, a, in an order that works, uh, you won't win the level. You won't get your satoshis. If you're if you're greedy and hungry and you just see the satoshi, you just run at them, you will end up getting stuck. You will get a satoshi tile on top of another satoshi tile. You won't be able to win the level. So it actually changed the game, made it um, um, made it more exciting for sure, uh, and. We're only scratching the surface, so actually with the, with the other games coming up, we want to integrate it even more into the loop. Um, we know that winning or earning Satoshis is fun. It makes games more fun, it just does. But we're also looking at the social mechanics around that for other games, and uh, how would it feel if you won Satoshis but by winning them you stop somebody else from winning the Satoshi in some kind of survival uh, mode gameplay. Um, there's, there's just it, it unlocks new gameplay. There's lots of interesting things you can do with it. I think we're just scratching the surface with majority.
0: That's very interesting. Okay, I want to, I want to ask both of you now about some of the challenges that come from these kind of integrations. So maybe we could even start with Zebedee's side and just Christian. Like, what are the challenges that Zebedee faces when going through an integration like this?
2: Um, I think, like, you know, obviously we don't face too many technical challenges because, we know, we have the platform and the developer just integrates it. The main challenges that we actually face is kind of as Bitcoiners, we kind of take for granted uh, a lot of understanding uh, that we may have about what sats are, what Bitcoin are, where a game developer and game players, you know, really don't know. Um, You know, we've actually learned quite a lot, you know, like we try not to recommend game devs use the term stats for example because people don't know what stats are a lot of game devs and game developers think stats are like the zebedee token they don't understand that it's a part of bitcoin and then if you explain it in the game then you kind of like already kill the vibe um so that's kind of a, been an interesting learning curve um i think also you know like we take things for granted like you know like if you're a lightning person you, you, you'll know what an invoice is you know or a bolts. 11 even, all those kind of terms are just confusing and mean nothing. So really like we've been actually trying to figure out the best UI and UX that we can recommend to game developers. And there's there's been quite a few iterations, you know, and we're constantly learning, you know, what's the easiest way for somebody to download a game and just not be confused and not hit a wall and give up. Um, How can they get their first satoshi you know with minimal friction um yeah so that was kind of like the main learning curve um i i think we're not 100% there, there but it's a lot better than it was um we do have like an sdk coming out which is going to be like a kind of ui ux recommended kind of package so game devs can easily do what what we find is the optimal ui ux to kind of Onboard players, um, yeah, I, I I think there's still there's still a few things that need to be kind of um, worked out with things like lightning address. So lightning address is a really easy way to send Bitcoin to folks, but then people think it's an email address, you know, because it, it looks like an email address. You know, we've uh, seen a bit of confusion there. At, at Zebedee, we basically we have a, a gamertag system which game devs really really like and they understand it and most non-bitcoiners find that the best flow and that's the flow we recommend i.e. a player will download the game they'll put the gamer tag in um, and then the bitcoin is sent to their Zebedee account but then we find that it's confusing for bitcoiners you know because <laughs> they don't you know really think in terms of tags and stuff like this uh, but we're mainly focusing on the gaming market so it's not too much of an issue but yeah i would say probably just trying to get the ui and ux right and not confuse gamers with like bitcoin terms you know because we take it for granted that you know not everybody understands this stuff
0: yeah that's a good point so instead of uh, on the on the point about not mentioning sats instead of mentioning sats what is it bitcoin you prefer to to have
2: i wouldn't say like like don't like not not mention it but yeah try and avoid it yeah but we basically like at at some point they get sats right so at some point you've got to kind of explain it to them but what we kind of found is that we had a few games that we tested with where you'd open the game and it would say here's a game where you link your everybody wallet and you get stats and then we had one that said if you open your, you know, you link your Zerbidi wallet and you get Bitcoin. And the drop-off um, on the, it's like an A-B testing. And the the drop-off on the game that kind of said stats was way higher than the drop-off that said Bitcoin. Because like Bitcoin is a meme. People understand what Bitcoin is. When they open stats, I guess we just assumed people kind of thought like, I don't know what stats are. It looks, just sounds like some scam, you know. Uh, but Bitcoin said, I know what, Bitcoin is, it's a household name at this term, you know. But then, so they say that they'll play the game. In the game, there'll be little Bitcoins that they can get. They recognize the symbol. And then when they get to get the Bitcoin and it's sent to the Zebedee wallet, at that point, they kind of see, you know, they have sats. But at that point, you know, if they're a little bit confused, it's not a big issue because they've already played the game. They've actually withdrawn, you know, they they are a player now, you know. But if you kind of explain stats too early, people just drop off and never get to that point.
0: Right. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And Mark... I like... oh, oh. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say, I was at advancing Bitcoin conference the other week and I was talking to, I forget his name, but he does a lot of the, he's an open source Bitcoin UX designer, UI and UX. And um, he was saying, you know, that it's a, it, it's kind of about like slowly educating the player, but don't tell them more than they need to know at that point. Because if you do, you'll just get them, you know, they'll just drop off, you know. So it's about telling them as much as it, they need to know at that point and slowly educating them um, as the process continues.
0: Right. Now, on, on your side, Mark, what challenges have you kind of faced at Bear Hug in creating this game and then, and then connecting it with Zebedee?
1: Yeah, so first of all, I'd, I'd probably echo uh, Christian's sentiment because we, we do see players trying to withdraw and not quite understanding their gamertag or their email, ad- versus email address versus actually trying to create a gamertag there and then. So some players have actually typed in a gamertag that they would like to have and they've ended up sending it to somebody else. Um, we can do a much better job at onboarding them there and making sure that they understand what it's for. I, I think the key for these games, the, the real Eureka moment as a player is the first time you get your Satoshi's to your Zebedee wallet and you immediately see a notification drop in from the top of your screen. There's no delay. It's, it's super frictionless. That, that's when you that's when you get it and you go, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm playing this game. So for us, I'd like to uh, do a better job onboarding players through the loop and get them to that point quicker. Like you don't, you don't want to make it so quick that it overwhelms them, but I, th- I think there's a correlation between retention and uh, how, how early your players just go through that loop once they get some Satoshis, they withdraw them and they can just see what the whole loop is about. From a dev point of view, the hardest thing for us, we've had to learn some, some server technology uh, just because of you know, being more authoritative around uh, people winning the games and how many Satoshis they have, etc. cetera. Uh, that's just been a learning curve for us. Um, there's also some challenges we face on user acquisition that we haven't quite figured out yet. Do you, do you tell people that it's a rewarded game up front? how much do you sell that concept to them versus just trying to sell them on the game concept first and then it being a rewarded game once they've downloaded it. You can oversell the rewards. You can make it sound like they're going to get rich playing these games. Uh, I know there's a a few rewarded games out there that that really dive into that, Uh, but their retention's pretty low, because as soon as players discover that that's not the case, they leave. They came for the wrong reason. So we're still trying to figure out the balance between uh, the gameplay, the, the nice rewarded aspect of it. Um, those are probably the biggest challenges. The games we're making them smaller at the moment, so the actual games themselves aren't really a challenge. It's it's the the, the users and onboarding. Drugs.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, yep. well, On uh, Bear Hug side, what are I'd love to hear more about future plans and. You mentioned a couple like, that, you, that you plan to build more simple games. If you're uh, able to reveal any of that, I would love to hear kind of what your roadmap looks like for the next year or so.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So more rewarded games. Um, and we're trying to put this, uh, more social elements into those games as well. So Ajong is a game where you can you can play levels single player and you can earn a few sats every single time you, you win a level, it's great. But is it more tempting for example to have a bigger prize that you don't necessarily win every time so if you were playing against 10 people and there could only be one winner so whoever's top of that leaderboard for that game you could win 10 times the amount it, it may have a, a more exciting feel to it so there's a game we're um just about to soft launch now uh yahtzee rush which is a, a dice game where you will go head to head with other players and uh if you can get a, the best Yahtzee score wins you Satoshi's. We have uh three other game ideas. Uh two are being prototype right now, uh beyond the artsy and one is just an idea at this stage, but they they play on that social mechanic of what would happen if there was a big prize pool of Satoshis but you know that other players are chipping away at it. So the more you play, the more you win. But if you if you don't, other players are going to beat you to it. But how does how does that feel as a social driver? We know that loss aversion has been a big thing in a lot of a lot of social games, um, as well as reciprocation. So uh, Zynga's with friends series, when it's your turn, uh, it, it brings you back into the game because you're sort of playing with someone else. So there's all these social mechanics that actually have driven a lot of success for big studios over the last decade. We'd, we'd like to mix that with rewards, but we also want to make sure that it's up uh, it's, it's modern. So we don't really want players waiting to take their turn, waiting for another player uh, We're building. Yes, so j- just to wrap up, um, future games, uh, more rewarded games, uh, deeper incorporation of rewards into the loops, competitive aspects, so games where uh, if you don't win this, this reward, someone else will. Um, and also looking into things like uh, teams and uh, team events and whether or not um, you can even have the things you see in casual games now, but um, rewarded. So teams pitted against each other, a team can win a prize, but whoever is best within that team gets the biggest share of the prize. Uh, just, it just unlocks so much. Interesting new gameplay that we've seen historically work really, really well for big companies with uh, the social aspect. That um, we're we're really excited to marry that with Zebedee Bitcoin rewards.
0: Very cool. I I'm interested now in kind of the way you describe some of these game mechanics and the rewards and you know the potential for like competing with other players and then you know the winner gets the reward and kind of being able to have a pool of rewards a larger amount it starts to sound to me a little bit like esports i wonder where like where's the is there a clear line that distinguishes mobile games like casual games from something more competitive like esports or is this just like a spectrum that that we're trying to figure out where's the right place to between competitiveness and fun to kind of like exist? Like, wh- how do you guys think about the, the tension between those two ideas?
1: Tough question. Yeah, I think for us, um, esports traditionally always feels a lot more like live competition and uh, super, super skill-based. I, I immediately start thinking of uh Games where reaction time is a huge factor, and we know from casual gaming that reaction time uh, is off-putting. So actually, what you want is players to be able to think about their next move in a in a match three game without a time pressure. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that you couldn't have a match three game where uh, if you got the highest score, you won a share of rewards and you stopped other players from being able to get that reward. That that feels sort of anonymously competitive. Um, We know that certain audiences shy away from direct competition, but yet are very, very motivated by team mechanics and uh, the idea that their team will win a prize and another team won as long as it's sort of anonymous and uh, low pressure. So I think the spectrum aspect that you say is is actually the right way to describe it. for us, we wouldn't be doing uh, esports in the traditional sense, but there's lots of games out there: board games, tabletop games, family games that used to play at Christmas. I think like Hungry Hippos. Like someone should play Hungry Hippos, but with, with Satoshi in the middle. Uh, but those kinds of things where you're you're able to win and show off that you that you won without pressure so, would be ideal. I see. see.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think. And- on Zebedee's side, is there uh, anything you guys are particularly excited about? You know, on the roadmap, looking ahead to the next year.
2: Yeah, I, I was just going to say. I think the definition of esports is a game you play with like RGB headset and like a, a Razer mouse. Like, yeah, that's like a rule. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought if mahjong counts for that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, see, but, um, yeah, yeah. So I always annoy people by saying the most exciting stuff. I can't talk about, <laughs> but there is actually we we hope to have a, a kind of a triple A esports game coming soon. I can't name names, but that's something I've personally been working on quite a lot um, with a game developer um, who uh, is well known. Uh, so yeah, more on that soon, hopefully. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that you know, like. There's so many things that we're excited about, but I'll just talk uh, personally uh, a few projects that I am working on um, in my department at Zebedee. So Mark mentioned that um, one of the issues he had is um, a lot of, you know, is as a game developer, when you start to add Bitcoin to to your game with Zebedee, you kind of really need to have a little bit of server skill. So, like, not to get too technical, but... um, Whenever you like, say you play like an online game, you have the client, which is the game you download that runs on your computer. But most games have a server as well, which does stuff. It coordinates like leaderboards and uh, it does multiplayer. Um, so that's kind of a thing in like kind of PC gaming and more competitive gaming that is kind of a norm. But for mobile games, a lot of like casual games, um, they generally, a lot of game developers generally don't use servers because it's not needed. Um, game developers want to focus on on the game, and there's various like uh, tools that you can do like leaderboards and things like this without having to have a server. And running a server can be a a, a bit of a pain because you know s- servers go down. You suddenly you have to have like a sysops guy and a networking team, this kind of stuff. So um, we've been working on um, some tools which will enable game. Developers to use Zebedee without a server, and also um, some tools which will help um, game devs um, manage the security a little bit. So, what one of the issues that game devs have, like if you have a game that doesn't reward you anything, there's very little incentive to cheat. But if you start to put Bitcoin in the game, then obviously you know um, there's a big incentive for people to try and like crack your game or hack your game or and um, we see you know people trying to make farms where they'll farm your game um so we actually have a tool which we release called zebedee shield which will help game developers um in a non-techy way like they don't have to do anything complicated they just install sh- shield and offer a good level of protection uh, but we have a lot more um tools um, that enhance that that will be coming out Um, yes so, so those are kind of like the two things that I'm excited about this this AAA game that we hope to announce later this year and also some tools which will allow a lot more game developers integrate Zebedee even quicker
0: I like it on that note, maybe it's a good time to open this up for any listener questions. Anyone in the audience who has a question, feel free to raise your hand, and I think I'll be able to add you to the stage to uh, to ask a question. Looks like folks are a little shy today. That's all right. On this, uh, if, if there's no questions, then maybe Christian and uh, Mark, we can do kind of like a, a just ending note Um where people can learn more about the games and,
2: uh, I have a question for Mark actually. So <laughs> I have a couple sure. of questions. Yeah. like One is not actually re- related, but I've always wondered this. I assume the Alice in Wonderland is like in the public domain. Uh, cause that's kind of, I see it a lot like cafes and games and stuff like this. Um, it's just cause it's so old. It's like Lewis Carroll book. I'm not sure when it's written, but is it yeah, in the public? It's yeah. Okay.
1: It's, uh, so, so I've, I've lived in Dream Dallas in Wonderland for sort of five or six years, and uh, it's, there's quite a few weird facts about it. So um, first published around 1865, somewhere around that era. Uh, when obviously people think of Alice, they think of Disney Alice, uh, but when Disney did the cartoon, it was already out of copyright. That's why they did it. So it's completely public domain. You can you can do what you like with it. Uh, the the thing you have to be careful of is uh, whether or not with any IP that's public domain does does your take on that IP infringe upon someone else's more modern take on that IP. So if you make a character that looks like uh, a well known Alice character from a different film or a different cartoon or a different interpretation, then then that starts to become uh, infringing, but, um, Alice in Wonderland, yeah, actually completely, uh, public domain and Guildford games, uh, being a Guildford games company, there's actually some very loose links to Lewis Carroll. There's a couple of Alice in Wonderland statues hidden around Guildford, if you're ever in Guildford and you can, you can find them. Um, yeah, public domain, And and we picked it because it was well known, so, uh, not, not just well-known across the world, but well-known through different age groups. So even even my nan, uh, you know, she was 96, but still quoting Alice in Wonderland that she learned as a kid. Everybody knows Alice in
2: Wonderland. I'm gonna segue into Bitcoin. So obviously Bitcoin has got a term from Alice in Wonderland, which is going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so a good segue, when did you go down the rabbit hole with, with, with Bitcoin, was it a recent thing or like, were you skeptical at first? I think, you know, it's quite interesting to hear the story of uh, a veteran game developer, you know, how you yeah found out about this yeah. stuff.
1: I, I actually at one point was um, trying to trade Bitcoin and looking at all the altcoins and stuff like that, probably around 2017. So about six months before the price dropped from $20,000 <laughs> to like four over two, two years. Um, so I learned, you know, I was involved in some Bitcoin communities, uh, a lot of them, uh, you know, just, just buying and selling coins and, and trying to jump on the next one and their, their whole gambit is actually trying to get on the coin first or quickest before someone else does. But I've often wondered about what, what it could do for games or gaming. Um, obviously, Web3 and NFTs has become a really big thing in the past couple of years. Uh, for us, I just really like the simplicity of Bitcoin and being able to just send somebody something of value instantly, uh, and also on our side incredibly cheaply thanks to Zebedee, without you know bank fees and all the rest of it. Um, I, I think we'll, we will see more and more rewarded adoption in games. So I've had I've had a dabbling interest in Bitcoin for years, but um, this. You know very recently pivoting we looked into web 3 last year when that was sort of exploding um i think the studio didn't really have an appetite for nfts or web 3 stuff in that sense um and certainly I, I prefer where we're at now which is that you, you know players don't need to buy into your game or your idea up front with more money than they have and go through you know your customer procedures to be able to even try your game. I'm a huge fan of things being frictionless. So uh, Zebedee is the most frictionless implementation of a, a Bitcoin platform I've seen.
2: Yeah, it's great to hear. I think, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've kind of been in the in space since 2013. And, uh, yeah, I've I I i, I I've done, like, well, they weren't called NFTs at the time. They were just called tokens, like 2014, yeah. 15. And there's something there, but it's complicated. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to figure it out. But just the simplicity of kind of just sending Bitcoin. I like um, Lightning Koala, who is a, kind of known as the first Lightning dev who made, like, a game or an app. And he kind of had a good point where he said, like, let's try and get one token working first, <laughs> i.e. Bitcoin, you know, and then we can yeah. work from there, you know. Um, yeah. I think a lot of games tend to, like, uh, run before they can walk, as it were, which, you know, it's admirable. I'm, I'm all for experiments. Uh, but, yeah, it's kind of hard to It's hard to build a business and a stable game around something that's so kind of fluctuating and, and not stable as Web3, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Sure.
2: But definitely interesting to play around with, I think.
1: What, what do you think is next for Bitcoin payments? What, what do you think is uh, is next for Zebedee? Is, is it kind of more games on the platform? Is it um,
2: well, like, one thing I forgot to mention in like what we're excited for, and it goes to one of the pain points you said, like, well, how do you send Bitcoin to people? Do they enter their gamer tag? Do you have a Lightning address? Uh, Zebedee, we're kind of working on it, like a send to anything kind of API, so whatever you know, you know, if the the player you know wants to just put an email or you know a discord account so that kind of approach to reduce the friction that's something i think will be quite powerful uh we're also very interested in nostra which i'm not sure so if you're familiar with but it's this kind of new um open network uh it's hard to say like it's kind of been used as like a an open decentralized twitter but in a way it's a protocol which offers much more than that that is definitely something we're, we're it, it, excited about. And I think that's going to bring Bitcoin to a lot of people. And it kind of, we, we, we're starting to see like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but the gamification of everything. So it's harder to draw a line between games and applications now, right? You know, applications have gaming aspects to them. Games can be applications. So, yeah, it's, um, I think we're going to see in a way, like Zebedee is known for powering games, but it's also going to be able, it can power like apps and then apps which are kind of like games and, you know, social networks. And it's hard to put a, give a name to these things because they're new, you know, and they haven't been invented yet. But once you enable money to be sent so easily, we're going to get different types of apps, which they won't be apps, they won't be games, they won't be social networks, they'll be a mix of everything and somebody will come up with, a buzzword, which maybe they've tried with Web3, but yeah, I I think it's a bit of a nebulous concept at the moment, but now that it's openless and permissionless, we're going to see like the iteration on these new um, paradigms and concepts really speed up. So um, yeah, that's kind of a a long way of saying, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be, uh but the wind is changing and i can definitely you know something like Nostra or something else maybe it's something that bear hug make is going to come out and it's going to be new but it's also going to make sense um
1: yeah uh, yeah super exciting um on that email from that's, I, w- I would love that when uh, when you guys have that api that players can just enter their email address and you know get, get a voucher or get on that would- that would help. We've we seen a lot of players put their email address in. It's what they're used yeah. to. It's, a, it's a very natural thing for them, uh, especially the kind of audiences that we're trying to attract as well. We we are trying to make it appeal to everyone with our games. So people who are absolutely. not familiar with crypto, um, absolutely, yeah, exciting.
0: You guys have my head spinning with possibilities now. Just listening to you guys chat back and forth about new
1: ideas, I'm
0: I'm incredibly bullish on. Uh, What you're both building and uh cannot wait to see it all evolve.
1: I I haven't enjoyed game dev this much in a long time since uh implementing Zebity. It's it's just so much fun. I feel like I'm game jamming again. It's awesome.
0: Love it. Awesome. Well, to sign off, Mark, why don't you why don't you tell listeners where they can go to learn more about Bear Hug just as a as a sign off here.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Um, check out our website Uh Follow us on Twitter as well, and uh, have a quick Google search on the Android uh, Google Play Store for some of our games.
0: Cool. And Christian, I think everyone knows how to find Zebedee, but any final words you want to leave uh, listeners with?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll just say if you haven't checked out Mahjong by Bear Hug, definitely do it. If you download the Zebedee app, it'll be a link there that you you can try. Like I was impressed. Like a lot of games, you know, you have to play for a long time to get some Bitcoin, but like just after like level one or two, I had the SAT sent to my wallet. So it was really a great experience. So yeah, download the Zebedee app and check out Mahjong.
0: Awesome. Thank you guys for taking the time and um yeah, looking forward to see what you guys both build. Thanks.
1: Thanks Kevin.
0: Second